Amen. I like that first song that was singing, In the Midst of Your Sanctuary. And I was thinking about, you know, what's it going to be like when we leave here and we're in heaven around the throne. The Bible says the throne of God where millions of people are worshiping, will be worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we can only think of it, but I mean, think, think, think about it. When you leave here, that's where you're going if you're saved. If your heart's right with the Lord, that's where you're going, and you're going to, we're going to live in such a state. I remember I thought about that all the time when I first got saved. <laughs> all I could think about was heaven. Don't get me wrong, I still think about it. But when you first get saved, everything changes. You, everything's different, and now you've got totally different things on your mind, and you start reading the Bible, and you start wondering, what is this place going to be like? And I mean, the presence of God just fills your heart and fills your soul, and you can't understand it all. But you just know it's going to be a place like you. we can't believe heaven. The planet heaven that's been prepared, I believe it's already prepared. It's coming down from God out of heaven, John said, prepared as a bride adorned for her groom. And it's going to be a new Jerusalem, whole new, no sin, no devil, no cussing, no boss yelling at you, no backaches, no heartaches, no headaches. <laughs> No drinking, no smoking dope. In this planet, there won't be any sin. Amen. I heard Brother Swerk today preaching an uh, old crusade on alcohol, Christians drinking. And the, the danger of alcohol was powerful. I didn't hear all of it, but it was good. So we're going to take up the offering tonight. And thank you to those of you who help us uh, to do what we do here. I'm just going to pull this up and share it real quick. I can do it real quick now since she got my phone. She fixed my phone. Where all I got to do is hit a button now, and boom, boy, I'm on just like that quick. Ain't that? She's smart with that technology stuff. I should have done it a long time ago, but anyway, she got me fixed up. So we're going to take up the offering. For those of you watching, we thank you. Those that help us, those that watch, those that watch the services here, and I know that we have people that watch through YouTube, through Facebook. And I know that the last, I didn't even know until the other day, the last uh Sunday night, the Facebook video was cut off at like 20 minutes, but the whole service is on YouTube. So sometimes when we have problems, if a service cuts off on Facebook, it's always most of the time on YouTube, the whole service that you can go watch uh, later on. For those of you that may be watching online that was wondering what happened, well, that's what happened. So if you want to watch it, go to YouTube, and you can watch it there. The YouTube channel is Family Worship Center. Thomas Clymer, I believe, isn't it? I believe that's the name of it. I hadn't mentioned it so long. As, yeah, I believe it's Family Worship Center, Thomas Clymer, and you can find the YouTube channel there. Probably need to mention it more often because people do watch on YouTube. So, and we also have a website for those that watch. Don't mention it very much, but we have a website, www.fwc-tn.com, or you can do fwc-tn.com if you want to find out more about the church, about the ministry what God has called us to do, go there and check it out. Let's pray and take up the offering and ask the Lord to bless the service tonight. Lord, we ask you to move tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the people that came tonight. Lord, we thank you for those that are watching tonight. We pray for those that are sick, that need healing in their bodies, that need a touch. I pray, God, that you would touch them where they are, that you would move upon them. But we know, Lord, that this, this earth is plagued with sickness and disease, and sometimes even your children are plagued by these things, Lord, but you're still in control. 
And you've told us to praise you no matter what is going on in our life. Help us, Lord, to praise you and to thank you in the midst of everything that may be going wrong for people, God. Help them to turn to you and you alone, Lord, to look to Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask you to bless the offering tonight, bless the givers as they give and those watching through the Internet. In Jesus' name, if you have an offering, you can come drop it in the box up here. We're going to get ready to go back to Colossians chapter 3 tonight. Did everybody enjoy last Wednesday night? Amen. The live stream we had, it's testimony, some of the testimony my wife and I gave, I enjoy those. Brings back a lot of memories on stuff, some good, some not so good, but don't worry about all that. We take the not so good with the good. And we go on, but it's a testimony. And the, the main thing is that we as Christians, that we don't let the monkey wrenches that we get hit with stop us from going on with the Lord and doing what he's called us to do. I mean, if we did that, we would quit this a long time ago, wouldn't be here. And because we've been hit with stuff, we've been knocked down with stuff, some of our own making, some of the devil's making, some other people's making, but we've all been hit with things, and Satan tried to use it to, to count us out and knock us down, put us out. But we had to say, no, devil, I'm going on with Jesus, and I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Amen. That's where you find out uh, how strong you are in the Lord. The Proverbs said, if you faint, if thou faint, if thou faintest in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Meaning... If you faint in the day of adversity, it's because your strength in the Lord is not as strong as you think it is. There's a problem somewhere. But if you let Jesus get in the midst of it and keep the solid rock as your foundation, he can make you strong and you don't, you don't have to faint in the day of adversity. You can stand on that solid rock and you can go forward in the name of Jesus. Amen. Colossians chapter 3 tonight, we're going back there. Verse 9 says, I'm going to pick up in verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. Are these monitors on up here? If they are, just turn them down, because I keep hearing an echo. I think it's coming from them. Which is renewed in in knowledge after the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. You to, There's some feedback coming from somewhere. It sounds like it's bouncing off them walls and hitting back up here. I can hear, we have to turn some volume down somewhere at the top maybe. There we go. There it is. That's better, a lot better. 
Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And above all these, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful." And be ye thankful. Lord, we ask you to bless the word tonight. We ask you to anoint it, God, to make it real, to make it alive to us here tonight, that you would anoint me, that you would help the people to be able to hear what you want them to hear, to understand your word, that everybody watching, everybody here would leave with something than what better than what they came through the doors with. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. So Paul again wrote this letter to in the midst of problems going on in this young church that was established by a young minister named Epaphras, who most likely gave his heart to the Lord hearing Paul preach somewhere. And even though at the time that Paul wrote this, Paul was a prisoner in Rome a thousand miles away, God laid it upon this young man's heart to go to Paul to go see him to address these issues that he was having in his newly founded church because false teaching had slipped in and uh, these Gnostic ideas and human philosophy and thinking of men begin to interfere with the true doctrine of the church and it started taking people away from Jesus Christ and pointing them to other things or to other people or to other or spirits as, such as angels and other intermediate beings, well, basically the Gnostics claimed that you had to go through other intermediate beings to get to God because God, since God was so holy, he couldn't come in contact with a sinful human being. So they pretty much kind of left Jesus out of the equation. Isn't that what false religion does? Leave Jesus out of the equation and the cross, and then you're left with nothing. And so these things begin to take place in this church. And this young man, I believe he was troubled, and he didn't know what to do. And I think I believe he began to pray, and God told him, you go to see Paul. Because, I believe, again, I believe he heard Paul preach. I believe he got saved under his ministry, and he heard many things that Paul taught and preached. So he knew that this man is the one who can help me with the, the issues that I'm having in the church, you know, the younger ministers day, that's what, they, some of y'all need to hear this if you're watching. This is how you can learn about how to handle some issues. Those that God has called to ministry, you, you look to those who are strong in the Lord. You look to those who are skilled, those who are not, they're not rookies, but they've served the Lord a while. They've, they've been saved. They've preached a while. They've established themselves. They've learned the Bible. They know doctrine. They understand the Word of God. Their life tells the story, the right kind of story. And that's the kind of people that you should look for if you're trying. And even if you're trying to find a church, you need to find a church like that where the preacher knows what he's talking about where he knows what the message is. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That is the message, and it's the message for salvation and for sanctification. Paul knew this. So this is why I believe the Lord led him to go see Paul. And as a result of it, we have the book of Colossians. Because when he told 
Paul about all these problems that were going on in the church. This is this was the outcome. I believe again. I believe Paul prayed about it and said, "Lord, what do you want me to tell him? How do you want me to address these issues?" And I believe the Holy Spirit said, "Okay, now you sit down and you begin to write and you listen to me and you tell them what I'm giving you to tell them. This is my word." And the result is the book of Colossians. And it was a blessing to give to these people to show them, not just to the people, but to the young minister too. Because it became, because it was really given to him to take back to his church to read to them. Imagine that. Hey, take this back and read this to your people. This is the word of God. You know, I said something on Facebook today and it was really good because it came to me. You can, you can, you, there's two kind of preachers. You can, you can talk about preaching the Bible or you can really preach the Bible. Talking about the Bible ain't preaching the Bible. Preaching from the Word of God is the preaching of the Bible. And there's a difference. A lot of people talk about the Bible. They come up with stories from the Bible. But the preaching from the Word of God is what we got to have in these days. We've got to have doctrine. We've got to have more preachers who will understand what this message and get up and begin to preach it and tell from Scripture what, what does this Scripture mean? Not just stories about the Bible. That's all good. Stories are good. History is good, but there's nothing better than preaching and getting your information right straight out of here. Get your doctrine. See, we got to have doctrine. This, this is where our doctrine is established, not from stories of the Bible, but from the Bible, from the Word of God. And Paul, he had these things. So he gave him this letter and he sent it back, said, read this to the people and he began to open it up and he began to read it and then he began to extol Jesus Christ. He said he's preeminent. He exists before everything. He's above all. He's above principalities, above powers, he's above angels, he's above presidents, he's above governors, he's above all of humanity. He is Lord. And he begins to lay out that it's Jesus, the Son of God, that is the one. He's the one that we are to look to. He's the one who has the answers to our problems. And he wrote a lot of things, and I'm not going to go back into that because I'm trying to move forward with what we're here to talk about tonight or to minister on. If we don't, if we don't understand, listen to this, if you don't understand the message of the cross in regards to not just salvation, sanctification. You'll get off track and you'll start listening to stuff you shouldn't listen to. And then you can open yourself up to deception. And then before you know it, you start believing stuff that ain't right and you can you can think that it is. And this is how Satan, he, he, he pulls people away, but he gets them away by, listen... Not by coming out and people bashing Jesus, but by them just not preaching Jesus. By them just not preaching the cross. Just not preaching the blood. Just not preaching that He's the preeminent one. Just not preaching that He can set you free from every bondage. Just not preaching it. That's how He gets people 
in bondage. And these wrong thoughts, these wrong ideas begin to fill men's minds and, and, and spirits and then they get messed up. And they get off track and then before you know it, our church is a mess. We got people in the church that are fruitcakes, they're nut, they don't know what's going on. They, they can't figure out what their problem is and, and so that we got, we run to the doctor, we run to the psychiatrist and the, 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 the church tell us you, you need a, you need a psych, you need a, a therapist, you need psychiatry, you need the church counselor. No, you need Jesus. It's what you need. You need Jesus Christ. I don't care what your problem is. You need Jesus Christ. You need the power of God. You don't need a doctor. You don't need a drug. You need the power of the Holy Ghost to invade your heart and invade your life and let Jesus Christ have His way in your life. He can fix your nervous condition. He can fix your backslidden condition. He can fix your hard-headed condition, your hard-hearted condition. He can fix it. But you got to give it to Him. you got to admit that He is the answer. He has the answer. He is the answer. And if not, then people are going to start getting off track. And then what happens is the flesh. The flesh. What's that? Oh, you know what it is. The works of the flesh that have been put to death at Calvary. (laughs) The old man that has been crucified with Christ, put to death, if you're not careful, he can revive and then flesh, works of the flesh, sins of the flesh, begin dominating God's people. God's people. When the children of Israel were in Egypt, God said, these are my people. My people are in bondage to the Egyptians. But I'm not going to leave my people in bondage to the Egyptians. I'm coming down to deliver them. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus did the same thing. He came down to the cross sacrificed himself, and he delivered us from the bondages of the devil. He broke the power of the sin nature in us so that we are no longer bound by the works of the flesh, but we can walk in the fruit of the Spirit. We can continue to be changed. We can have the peace of God. We can have the power of God. We can have prosperity spiritually, physically, financially. We can have everything we need through Jesus Christ. But if we get away from the truth, flesh. Paul said that we need to mortify the members, our members which are upon the earth. I went through some of them last week, but let me go back and read some of them again. Fornication. All types of immorality, sexual, spiritual, it covers all types. Fornication, uncleanness spiritually, physically, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and Covetousness, which is idolatry. Why? Because for which, which thing's sake, the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. No Christian can live in sin. You can't. No Christian can live, you cannot live as a Christian dominated by sin and be happy. You can't. You cannot live dominated by your flesh 
happy. You cannot. You cannot live in sin and think you will march through the pearly gates of heaven. You can't. The same wrath that will come upon the children of disobedience that don't know God is the same wrath that can come down on people who profess to know God. But their lifestyle tells a different story. Something to think about. Adam talked about some of it Sunday night. Now, I'm not trying to scare anybody into anything. You don't, they ain't, I ain't scared of anything. I ain't worried about it because I know where I stand. But the people, there are people in the church world that are deceived. Sin to, sin's not even mentioned to most of your church members in most churches. The things I'm reading to you, they don't even talk about these things. They don't preach about these things. Because the preachers are scared to death. They're gonna, they're gonna offend somebody. They're gonna make somebody mad. They're gonna lose some money. What about people losing their souls? Because you won't preach the truth to them. I'm glad I had somebody to tell us the truth. We had somebody to tell us the truth after we got saved. I'm glad when we started crying out, Lord, give us the truth, God said, I'm going to give it to you. It ain't going to be like you think, but I'm going to give it to you. And I thank God today for the truth because the truth will make you free. But you've got to accept it. You've got to let it get into your heart and let it change you. The, the, what a lot of people take that scripture, oh, yeah, you know the truth and the truth makes free. Uh-uh, it don't work for just everybody, honey. It works for those who obey it. It works for those who believe it. It works for those who understand the message of the cross because that's the truth, my friend, that makes you free from the bondages of the devil. So if you don't accept that, you ain't free. Do you get me? If you don't accept that, you ain't free. You're not. We got a bunch of clowns in churches entertaining people, telling everybody they're okay. You're okay. I'm okay. Let's have pizza parties. Let's have festivals. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's invite all the families. Let's have social clubs and people are going to hell because there's no preaching of the gospel. And but people want you to tell them how great they are. Oh, God's going to bless you. You're a champion. You're going to have this and you're going to have this. Thus saith the Lord, by tomorrow you're going, you're going to be a millionaire. God's going to give you a great husband. God's going to embolden people. Woo, yeah, 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 yeah. And down inside... There are sin issues that have to be dealt with. And if they're not, more money ain't going to help you. Another spouse ain't going to help you. Another job is not going to help you. If the inside of this heart is not fixed, none of that stuff will help you. It won't do it. You can have money and be miserable. You can have a good-looking wife and be miserable. You can have a good-looking husband and be miserable. You can have a nice family and be miserable. You can have a big church and be miserable. You can have everything the world has and be miserable down in here and dominated by the works of the flesh. Jesus didn't die just to save us. He died to make us free from the works of the flesh. But if we get off track and we listen to the wrong thing, we're going to begin to be dominated by these things. He said, in the which, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. This is how we used to live. Remember how you used to walk? I know how I used to walk. <laughs> that, that means, that, that speaks of your lifestyle, the way you lived before Jesus. We could sit here all night long and talk about all that stuff, couldn't we? 
Boy, could we tell some stories. They'd be awful, wouldn't they? We could pile this building up with them, couldn't we? Tell them about all the evil we did, all the stuff we did. But you see, when we got saved, oh, something changed. Life turned around. You ain't the same anymore. You stopped that cussing. You stopped that drinking. You stopped that smoking. You stopped running to the ballrooms. Come on, you stopped taking your clothes off and getting in bed with everybody. You stopped. Why? Because... The Holy Spirit invaded your heart and invaded your life. And why do you think he's called holy? Because that's what he's there to do. Make us holy. Without holiness, no man shall see God. And that holiness only comes through the blood of God's Son, Jesus. He said, we, we all lived in them. But he said, now, put off all these. Put them off. Okay? Now that you know the truth, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, let him deal with your anger. Let him deal with your wrath. Let him deal with your malice. Let him deal with your blasphemy. Let him deal with your fornication. Let him deal with your heart. Let him deal with your cell phone. Let him deal with your computer. Let him deal with your eyes, your ear, let him deal with your spirit man where these these works of the flesh get a hold of God's people and the devil is using technology and the things of this world to, to drag God's people in all kinds of filth. Used to, you would have to go to a Store, walk in to buy a pornographic magazine to be able to look at that stuff, but now you don't have to do that. They can get on the telephone and with the push of a button, look at all of the nudity they want to look at. Watch all the sexual content. You kids listen to me. It's got phones. Now, let Jesus have full control of your heart and life so that you do not go into bondage to these sins because they'll destroy you. They will destroy you video games. The video games, the music that promotes murder, rape, wife abuse, cop killing, obscenity, vulgarity, Demeaning women. Our society is full of it. And Christians who ought to know better need to start letting God have control of their heart. To what put off the, you can't put them off, but he can. Did you get that? You can't, but if you go his way, he can. Then it makes it easier to do it. <laughs> Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, how you talk. It can be changed. Talk sweet in church, but how about out there? What about on your chats with your buddies on the phone? How's your language there? Snapchat, chit-chat, TikTok, Facebook. 
What's your language like with your friends on there? What are you looking at? What are you talking about? Society is infiltrated with it. And the only way this young generation is going to escape it is by what I'm preaching right here. Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit can keep you free. He can make you free and keep you free. Verse 9 says, lie not one to another. Stop lying. Lie not one to another. Don't lie about the gospel. Don't withhold the gospel from people. Preachers, stop lying to people. Lie not to one another about what the truth is that sets man free. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Boy, sounds to me like a new life, a new person. Sounds to me like God is against sin. Sounds to me like the Holy Ghost says, I'm, I got some strict guidelines on you. <laughs> Hello? Holy Ghost says, I'm, I got some, I got some, I got some reins on you, and there's some stuff you need to lose. There's some stuff you need to let me get rid of. And he is able to do it. He said, and have put on, verse 10, and have put on the new man. Here it is. You put on the new man. Who's that? Wrapped up, tied up, tangled all up in Jesus. Put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. That speaks of the born again experience. When you get saved, you, you are, you're a new man in Christ Jesus. You, the, your knowledge, the knowledge, all of your knowledge now begins to change. All of the, the knowledge of the world and the, the knowledge you once possessed that was wrong, that was contrary to the ways of God and, and the word of God, all of a sudden that stuff begins to change and your knowledge now begins to be based upon the word of God if you read it. If you don't read it, no knowledge, no understanding of the Word. His precepts, His laws, His words, it's in the Bible. You don't read it, you don't get it, you don't get changed. Coming to church ain't going to get it. There has to be the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the Word, digging in the Bible, on your knees praying, asking God to reveal Himself to you, to reveal His Word to you. We don't, nobody learns everything overnight. That ain't what I'm saying. But you've got to get into the Word for your knowledge to be what God wants it to be. It's got to be renewed. You can't have the same thinking that you did when you were lost. Your mind, your, the way you think must be changed. It must line up with what this says. And people say, well, y'all just strict. No. Well, yeah, I am guilty. I sure am. I got the knowledge of God and I don't want anybody else's. I don't want anything else but this. I've been getting it for 25 years. There ain't no sense in changing now. It's been helping me for 25 years. Why do I want to change now? Just because somebody don't like it. Well, you're just strict. You're just trying to force that stuff down, people. I'm telling you this. If you don't get this into your soul and spirit, you're going down, down, down. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God wants God. He wants God's people 
to let this sink down into our soul. He wants to change us. He wants to do things in our life. And people can say, well, you're just being forceful. You're just trying to make somebody take that. You can take it or you can leave it. It ain't on me. It's on you. I ain't forcing nobody to do anything. You don't want the gospel. That's on you. But I can tell you this. It works. I got witnesses up in this building. This works. There's witnesses through that camera that have had to come a hard way and we know this works. When you come from the side of the fence that some of us have come from and your whole world has been changed and the power of God invades your heart and invades your life and you stop your drinking and you stop all these things and God changes you, what better, greater witness can you get, my friend? The power of God is real. Yes, I want you to have it. It'll change you. You put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after who? The image of him who created him, Jesus. The image of God. You're not your own anymore. You're bought with a price, the Bible says. We're not free moral agents. I get to do what I want to do now. I'm a Christian. No, you don't. You get to live for the Lord. And it's a good life. After the image of him who created him, where in verse 11 he said, where there is neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So what he's saying here is there, there's no difference. There is no different plan of salvation for the Greeks and the Jews circumcision or uncircumcision, it don't matter because that that's only a sign of the covenant. That ain't the covenant. Circumcision was not the covenant. It was just symbolic of the covenant. A cutting away of the old and bringing in the new. That's what it was symbolic of. The Bible, Paul said that we are now circumcised with the circumcision made without Hands, what's that? That's God's circumcision plan through what Jesus did at the cross. When he gave his life on the cross, he cut away the old man. He broke the power of sin and he raised up a brand new man. The circumcision made without hands. It don't come from the hand of a man. It comes from the supernatural power of God. It's real. I want everybody to experience this power. Not just the goosebumps jumping and running. Oh, yeah. But the power that changes you. The power that gives you peace in the midst of the storm. The power that helps you to lay your head down at night and be able to sleep while everything is shaking around you. He said, there is neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcision nor uncircumcision nor barbarian or Scythian or bond nor free. But Christ is all and in all. Christ is everything. You see, he, he, he causes our brothers and sisters all the way on the other side of the ocean in Africa to become one with us through Jesus Christ. We're of the same mind. And God says, God doesn't say, well, they're black and you're white. He don't say that. He said, you all 
are in Christ. Your brother, you're my children, no matter what your color is, no matter what your background is, no matter whether you're from the north, you're from the south, the east, the west, west, whether you're a Yankee, whether you're a good old southern or whatever you are, you are all one in Jesus Christ. He's everything because it's all about Him. He said in verse 12, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. Now, I wrote down some the definitions of some of these tonight, so I'm going to go through them. Put on as the elect of God. Okay, we're putting some stuff off, and we're putting something on. Put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. It means compassion. As a Christian, you should have compassion. Number one, you should have compassion for the lost. You should have compassion for the world out there that's lost. When you see them in the condition they're in, you should never look at them and say, well, you old drunk, you, you old heathen, you old foul mouth thing, you can just go to hell. No Christian should ever have that kind of attitude. Should be compassion. Pity, mercy, have compassion on the world and also on one another. Kindness, what's that? It's somebody that's useful, somebody that's profitable, gentleness. It said it is the grace which pervades the whole nature, mellowing all which would be, have be being harsh and austere. In other words, the The Spirit of God makes us so soft (laughs) that the grace of God pervades our whole nature, mellowing us. So you don't need a drug to get this. The Holy Ghost. Mellowing us. Everything that would have been harsh and austere, it melts us. That's kindness. And you know what? If that's working in your heart and life, shouldn't you be able to extend it to somebody else if that's working in us? Humbleness of mind. That's the next one. What's that? Humility. It's the opposite of pride and boasting. Humility is fruit of the Spirit. It's not, you can't manufacture humility. You can't Now, there are those who operate in false humility because the Bible speaks about it. And that's deception too. But you you can't fabricate humility. Humility is something that, that, that God makes you to be. Humility is a trait that God gives to you. But the only way it can really be learned is to be broken. (laughs) Because it's the opposite of pride. It's the opposite of boasting. It's, it's humility. It's humbleness of mind. It's somebody that knows that they don't have it all together. They don't know everything. Meekness. These are things we put on. He said, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the fruit, this is what the Holy Spirit develops in us as we continue to let God change us. Meekness. It speaks of mildness, forbearance. Primarily, it does not denote outward expression of feeling, but an inward grace of the soul. 
A calmness toward God in particular. Calmness toward God. That's meekness. It is the acceptance of God's dealings with us, considering them as good in that they enhance the closeness of our relationship with Him. Meekness. It also, look, meekness also expresses wrath toward sin, as Jesus did when angered toward those who chided Him for doing good on the Sabbath day. Jesus was meek, but He was also stern. Those saying, don't, don't, don't take my meekness for weakness. Because it's not. This meekness does not, uh oh, here we go. This meekness does not blame God for the persecutions and evil doings of men. You don't sit back and blame God for the evil that other people do to somebody else or to you. This is meekness. It's true meekness. The last one is long-suffering. What's that one? It's self-restraint before proceeding to action. Self-restraint, self-control before proceeding to action. How much self-control do we have before (laughs) we get ourselves into trouble? before some action is happening or takes place, before we go overboard. How much self-control? We're supposed to have enough self-control to help. The Holy Spirit's there to do it, but to help restrain us in situations where we would normally, and in our old life, we would have lost it a long time ago. When you were dominated by sin, wouldn't be any questions asked. You would have just did the wrong thing. Because you had no self-restraint. But you see now, thank God for self-control, self-restraint. Okay, let me just help somebody understand a little bit more what I'm talking about. You know, when somebody does you wrong and in your heart for a minute, what you really want to do to them, and you start talking about it, and then before you know it, you have to catch yourself before you commit some act. Or maybe somebody did something to you. You didn't do anything. Maybe just out, out of the blue around the corner, somebody threatened you. Something happens out in public, and, and here you are put in a situation, and, and you didn't expect it, and you're about to end up in an altercation with somebody, and you need some self-restraint. You need some Holy Ghost control. We got to have it. Or otherwise, we will blow it. We'll do the very thing Satan wants us to do. We got to have long suffering. In other words, we we don't accept wrongdoing from people, but we got we have to put up with stuff <laughs> without killing everybody. You get it? You gotta learn, we got to be able to be long suffering. It's, let me read it again. Self restraint before proceeding to action, the quality of a person who is able to avenge himself, but yet he refrains from doing so. Mm. He's not retaliating. Retaliation causes 
a lot of negative results. As a Christian, that's why we're taught as Christians, do not retaliate with people who do you wrong. Don't get on the Internet and retaliate. Don't get on the phone. Don't get, don't, don't go around bad-mouthing. Don't retaliate against people because you only stir things up more and cause more trouble. And retaliation isn't always a physical act. It can also be done through gossip, slander, Facebook, social media. Somebody does you wrong. Somebody says something bad about you. Hey, nobody likes to be lied on. Nobody likes to be (laughs) falsely accused. But how we act says something about how much of the fruit of the Spirit is working in us. Because there's a whole lot of things going on in this world today that we could retaliate against. But in God's eyes, it's not legal. It's wrong. The world says it's okay to get back at somebody that does you wrong. The Bible says, forgive them. Hmm. The Bible says, drop it. The Bible says, let it go. The Bible says, go on. Don't, don't stir up the past. Don't stir up emotions. Don't stir up things that need to die. Don't stir up your your flesh. But let the Holy Spirit have His way. And as we see, we put on the new man and we understand the message of the cross and this is what, this is what happens for us. It happens in us. We're able to do... If I... I'm going to speak for myself for a minute. If I didn't have this in the 25 years that I've been saved, do you know how many fights I would have done been in? We ain't going to go there. Do you know how many, how much stuff I would have been in? Some of y'all here. Same, you, how much stuff? If the Holy, if the Spirit of God wouldn't work in you to shut your mouth, to get you to walk off, to drive off, to get away, what would happen? You've got to have the Holy Spirit. You've got to have God's help or you're going to get in the flesh. Something bad is going to happen and then somebody's going to pay. So this is why it's important that we understand that the message of the cross, it doesn't just save us, it changes us. And I don't want people in this church to ever come to the idea, well, the why you keep talking about the message of the cross? Well, why you just always talk about, why is it always, it seems like it's, it's, a, it's the same old thing. You know why? Because some flesh needs to die. Some stuff needs to go. Because hard-headed, hard-hearted human beings need to be changed. And stubborn Christians need to get in the head of the line. And we need to say, Lord, there's things like that in my life that I don't want, God, and I want you to change me. See, you got to first be open and honest. If you can't be honest enough to say that you got the problem, there ain't no help for you. But if you can be honest enough to say, Lord, yeah, you know, some of these things that Thomas preached about tonight, Lord, I see myself there, and I don't want to be there, and I don't want to, I don't want to live like this. I want these things gone in my life. Good news for you. You're the one that's going to be changed.
You're the one that God's going to work in. You young people, you boys back there, God will do some great things in your life. If you continue listening to the message, you continue obeying it, you follow the Lord, and you watch what God will do in y'all's lives as you grow up. You won't be like everybody else. You don't have to be. God don't want you to be like everybody else. He wants us to be into the image of his son. Well, it ain't working for somebody. I don't care. I ain't worried about what somebody else is doing. I'm only concerned about what me is doing. It's working for me, and that's all that matters. It's working for you. That's all that matters. Get your eyes off of everybody else and get your eyes on Jesus tonight. Don't let the devil play some fool blame game on you. Well, if it worked, then how come the church ain't full? How come more people don't come run here? How come this? How come? Let me tell you, the Bible says, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that go in thereat. There's always been a straight gate and there's always been a broad gate. And we're on the straight one. Ain't changing now because it works. Why stop when it's working? Why change? Why fix it if it ain't broke? You stick with the truth. And as we do, we find that... I'm going to read another verse and I'm about finished. The verse 13 says, Forbearing with one another and forgiving one another. Mm. Forgiving one another. Who are we supposed to forgive? Everybody. And anybody that's sinned against us, done us wrong, forgive. But but see, forgiveness is not acceptance of the wrongdoing. You forgive them for your sakes so that you don't find yourself in bondage to them with unforgiveness. Forgiving one, forbearing and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, do Christians ever have a quarrel with one another? If any man have a quarrel, with against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. So if you got a quarrel with somebody in church, out of church, it don't matter where it is. If you, if somebody's at fault or somebody is to blame and you got a quarrel with them, forgive them. Let it go. Keep yourself free. It ain't about them. It's about you. Because if you let unforgiveness settle in your heart, your heart gets hard. And then the Bible said God stops answering your prayers, husband and wife. And I don't want my prayers unanswered. I want God to hear my prayers. We can't, we can't hold for unforgiveness toward people. So if you got a quarrel with anybody tonight in your heart, just say, Lord, help me to let it go and help me to let it be and to forgive them. No matter what they've done, in church, out of church, on the job, forgive them. You have to. If you don't, you're going to stay in bondage. (laughs) Even as Christ forgave you. Oh, there we go. There is how I can forgive people that I can't quite get along with. Here's how I can forgive somebody that slandered my name. Here's how I can forgive somebody that's a drunk because I used to be there. It don't mean we accept wrongdoing, but we forgive. We let it go. Why? Because Jesus forgave us. So if Jesus forgave me of all the things I did under the influence of alcohol, all the things I did living for the devil... 
then I should be able to forgive those that are at fault against me, against God, whatever it is. Doesn't matter what the situation is. This says, as Christ has forgiven you, you forgive. Because you know what? Things are going to happen in church. People in church are going to do things to you that you ain't going to like. In your own church, you're going to get offended. Somebody's going to say something to you. And you can walk out the door mad and angry and come back to the next service and still got it on your mind. And the next service and the next service and the next service until it's festering in you. And all you do is sit in church thinking about that person. And didn't get anything from God. You know what that's called? Unforgiveness. (laughs) Drop it. Because Jesus forgave you. You was a heathen. You was hard-headed. You was prideful. You was stubborn. Forgive. And above all these, put on charity. It's love. It's God's love, which is the bond of perfectness. This is it. This is what covers all of it, to be honest with you. The love of God. When the love of God is flowing through our heart and life like it should, we really shouldn't have a problem with all these other things. We shouldn't. Because the love of God will squash your pride. It'll, it'll, the love of God will saturate your soul and it'll make you humble. It'll help you to see other people in the light of yourself. It'll help you to see that God loves the world and God cares about sinners. He cares about the lost. But that love will permeate your being and when it does, then you have something to give to somebody else. The love of God is the bond of perfectness. This is what makes everything complete. And it's given through Jesus Christ, God's Son. Let me read verse 15 and I'm done. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Peace. You've got to have God's peace or it won't be peace. To the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love, something like that. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. That's what we need. God's peace. If I could sing, I would. I can't. My singer's tied up with a baby back there. I don't think Karen's ready to sing right now. She's tuning it up for Sunday. But we need God's peace. And it comes through His Son, Jesus Christ, in the which also you are called in one body. Last phrase, be thankful. Thankful for what? (laughs) Whew, what do you mean for what? Nothing but the blood. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Be thankful that you're saved. Be thankful that your name is written down in heaven And you're on your way to heaven tonight, and everything is going to be all right. Amen. Be thankful. Let's pray as we close. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding. 
for the power of God. And, Lord, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus that you would take the words tonight that have been spoken to the hearts of your people, that, Lord, we would put into practice what we hear, that these words will not go in one ear and out the other, but, Lord, that we would heed what you are saying, that we would hear, and, Lord, that we would follow your word and follow your ways. Go with us tonight, God, as we leave. Protect everyone here and watch over us till we come together again in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless everybody. See you Sunday morning, 1030. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 1030 a.m., Sunday at 530 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee, 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-744-0774.